I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Good evening and welcome back Monday night 8pm, which means only one thing. It is your Mind Arts Live Lounge. With me, Phil Barr, Jack Garwood, and Lee Boyce. Gentlemen, I can see you there jigging along to the new music in the background as well. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. And I say that because you asked yeah. me if I liked it at the weekend, and then I said, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. It's a bit more, <laughs> it's a bit more jiggy. Um, gentlemen, first of all, an excellent job last week. Um, you, you two and Cam. Uh, watched it back when I got to the Big Apple. It was really good. Can't believe we've let you back in. Well, I smashed it personally. I'm joking. I hate hosting. I hate hosting. <laughs> um, welcome along, chat room. Hope everyone is good, nice and busy already. Uh, Tommy, Malachi, Andrew is in. Owen, TJ, hope you are good, my friend. Um, Alex, Adrian, Kieran, Matty is in as well. Jim McEwen, of course, is in. Um, Adrian likes the new music as well, which is always good. Um, it's been it's been busy, boys. The, um, the US Darts Masters dominating the darts scene over the last four or five days from the build-up. We're going to talk about it. We've got so many clips to play because some of the stories coming out of the Big Apple from the media days and the, the actual darts itself were unreal. It's been busy. It's been a very, very busy week for darts. And it's, well, there's even more. The more and more you dig deeper, the more and more there is to talk about as well. If you keep going, oh, we missed anything. I've got a list oh. in my head of things that I know you're not going to have on that list at the end of the day. And then we're going to find even more. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> to be fair, I, I know the dev tour is going to come up. I haven't clipped it, but I know King Barry had a good weekend and Sebastian Bilowetsky and, um, but yeah, it was it was it was good. But yeah, um, Tommy says first of all, some sad news today. Yeah, we'll we'll do the the elephant in the room. Gob, you I didn't know you told me. 
I just saw it on social media. Yeah, I was like, oh shit. Uh, sadly, um, Sean Greatbatch has, has passed away. The first man's hit televised nine data. Um, I, I never had the, the pleasure of meeting Sean, but you, you can tell a lot by uh, you can tell a lot about a person when they pass away by the response and, and the comments that happen. And there's been nothing but but love and positivity for Sean and, and the help that he's passed on to players, even after he stopped playing in the last couple of years for health issues and got himself another job people still loved him and had so much time for him and he had so much time for everybody else as well oh, completely um, yeah it was like I say I, I never had the chance to meet him but like you say you, you just know when someone was a good person by the response on, on social media because it was just it's just been phenomenal through the day boys um so again thoughts with sean's family at this time from everyone at online darts um yeah back into the chat room andrew is in says hi everyone daniel is in um cast says boys um tommy said well said gov yeah look it's it's times like this the darts community it can get a bit prickly at times but also when things like when when bad things happen, it does pull together quite well. Yeah, I've probably had a lot to say about social media previously and the negatives of it. There's also plenty of positives and sometimes it's a shame that it is something bad that shows the community comes together, but the, the response that we've seen from players and fans and the clip of the, the nine darts I've seen plenty of times in the past few hours uh, was a, a great moment and a great response that we've seen from everyone. So. It is good to see when um, the community of darts comes together. Yeah, completely. Um, chat room on fire. Um, yeah, back in one piece, everyone. Um, powered through the day, so I should sleep well this evening. Um, I suppose, boys, we'll, um, we'll jump straight in to the US Darts Masters. The World Series um, is back. After a two-year absence because of because of COVID, and what an unbelievable way to kick it off! Before we get into the darts, it moved from Vegas to the East Coast. Everyone said it would be better, but the jury was still out. But after this weekend, there's no doubt, is there, boys, that the East Coast is the place to grow the sport from. That's the base. I think it. It makes sense from what I know of the darting landscape in um, in America, not in not in Canada as such, but in America. From what I've picked up, even before the CDC exists, the hot spots I can really find for it are on the East Coast. I think there's a little bit in Boston, a little bit in New York, and you add that all together with the, the combination of the CDC and everything. And do you know what? I'm always a little bit skeptical skeptical about the World Series, especially with the way it's portrayed here in the UK in comparison to where it goes out everywhere else. And sometimes I think we need to take a step back and realise that actually for some countries that is their only exposure to darts apart from World Championships, etc. Um, but if they were going to relaunch, and this is going to be a little bit controversial to people, New York was perfect for it for one reason in particular. Fallon Sherrick is an absolute superstar in the new, in in the states. Oh, she was yeah. absolutely everywhere all week. You saw it firsthand. 
but she was absolutely um, everywhere. And that justifies the commercial side of the decision of the World Series of Darts, the exposure and everything else that, that this tournament, this series of events is there for, to grow the game, whether people like it or not, and how she's picked and PDC tour card holders missing out, just having her face there will have done more for the game than any of the eight players they possibly could have picked from the PDC. Just look at the reaction. Right. Everyone knows that I'm a huge Fallon Sheriff fan. But going over there, we had uh, a couple of media days um, with them. And there was, in, in one in particular, it was in MSG Compound, this one. And you had Peter Wright, Michael Van Gerwen, Gary Anderson and Gerwin Price all there. And the US media didn't want any of them. All they wanted was Fallon. You've got back-to-back world champions. You've got three-time world champions, double world champions, and they didn't want a piece of it. Honestly, the New York Times sent a journalist as well, which that's huge in itself. The fact that the New York Times sent someone to the darts, and it was all about one person. Like Gob said, the World Series is about growing the game in these territories, and this was unreal. If I'm being honest, I think she did too much media um, for the detriment of her game. Um, but look, that that's what comes with, with, with the territory. But over there, she is an absolute megastar. It is unreal. Yeah. I was having a brief chat with you before we come on around around the, the timing of it and the scheduling it, obviously here for TV purposes, which for me wasn't rating with us the split of it, but the World Series, as Dobbs alluded to there, is to roll the dame. And there's one person in particular who's going to help roll that dame. Yes, we'll touch upon each dame individually shortly, but what that would have done for the dame, just them being over there, and Fallon in particular, would would be massive steps. And as already seen by the announcement for what's to happen in 12 months' time, and... It is the perfect start for me for the World Series. There's always going to be question marks about the players and who's picked. And that, for me, is mainly because of the Premier League, because you're having similar players. But actually, if you're looking at the World Series in isolation, for me, it was a a perfect start for for that competition to get up and running. You mean, this, this is what's to come. Already, it is booked. We are going back to New York next year. It was on day one. The Flyers were out. We are coming back. The one thing, so, the one thing I'm very surprised with, though, Phil, is that picture is missing the one person that we're now speaking about. That's probably the only <laughs> thing that surprises me right now. Is that I thought she'd be on yeah. that picture. Um, but yeah, we we are going back. We've got another. This is a, oh, by the way, um, the photographer that was over there, uh, Ed, can't think what his surname is. He does the photography for Matchroom Boxing as well. Got some unreal. That's the one. Got some unreal shots this weekend. And I know that, because I have to give him credit plenty of times so while posting photos this weekend. <laughs> um, this image of Madison Square Garden on the Saturday night, it was pretty much full. There was a scattering of tickets left. They sold over, I think, over 1,500 in the 48 hours in the build-up to it as well. And 
just a, I don't know what it came across like on TV, but the Saturday night was absolutely rocking in there. Yeah, from someone watching it at home, I I really enjoyed the whole the whole coverage. My only issue was the timing of when it was being shown, just as it was completely different times each day. But from a from a coverage once it was on, I thought Emma and Dan done a done a great job. Um, I thought crowd wise was very good. Always unsure when obviously going somewhere new as a venue for me, it, it's all come across as very very good, and I can't see not being a sellout when we go back next year. Yeah, no, I'm disappointed that after all the criticism ITV had through in three years ago, 2019, just show it live. Yeah, that's my only issue with it. That the fact of not showing it live and then the second part, if you're not the nerves, be a bit consistent with the timings of when you're showing it. Um, showing it at half eleven one day and then five uh, five pm first day and then half eleven the following morning. There's just there was just no consistency around when you're showing it for the for the fans. I watched some of them live and some some of the games not live, so I just found it very strange the the UK scheduling of it. But that's nothing against obviously the in America and what they put on in America. Because for me, I, I thought I don't know if you're the same dog, but I thought it come across very well. It went on PDC TV here at standard time, but then obviously you're missing out on ad revenue and and everything else. I don't get what they'd miss out on by showing it live and then a repeat session later on in the day for ITV. What on earth are ITV possibly showing from midnight till 4am on ITV4? Midsummer murder. Three peats of river monsters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was good. Um, Aaron says, look, packed on Saturday, empty on Friday. Now, Friday, okay, it it wasn't as busy. But it also did help <laughs> that, that I'm not an ice hockey fan, but the New York Rangers were in were in quite a big game on Friday night as well. Because um, we can hear it every time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not an ice, an ice hockey fan, but yeah, they were in they were in quite a big one by all accounts. Um, but yeah, look, absolute kudos to the PDC. Um, everyone involved, the production was, was unreal. Um, and also, interesting, they took the production team that do the Euro Tour. Oh, they're just a bit good, aren't they? It was going on PDC TV, so it makes sense. Because they're yeah. used to broadcasting through that, etc. But they're just mint right now. Some of the additional shots they're adding to it, just that little bit of creativity they're adding is mint. I think their spotting is some of the best out there. It's inevitable in a sport as fast as darts, you're going to miss the odd thing, especially when you've got the likes of Danny Lowby chucking darts at a million miles an hour quicker than Ricky Evans. But I think that they've got some of the best team in, in the business for that. I was a little bit underwhelmed by the graphics this weekend. Oh, I see. I liked some of the graphics. They were just, just like the names and the matches. It was just a little bit plain. Yeah. Um, but look, a little bit more, was, giving it a little bit more identity. But other than that, I, I thought it was me. Yeah. Um, which moves us on to the opening night of action. Um, it got off Bully Boy off to a winning start, and it was interesting that he said, "I pooped myself." Just 
I think the magnitude of this got to a lot of them that they've played in huge games at World Championships, X, Y, and Z. But just that, the magnitude of playing at MSG got to a lot of them on the opening night. Well, I've done three nights of press before it as well. So when you spent that long talking something up, even the World Championships, you might do the odd interview as a player, do something local, but then you'll have a couple of days before your game. You won't all play on the same night. I don't think we've ever really built up an event with this much pre-press as we have done for this World Series. So add that to the magnitude of the size of the venue and what it means to be at MSG, which I'm going to be that guy. The Americans do realise it's circle, not square, don't they? <laughs> to be fair, it's all being um, renovated at the moment as well. The front of it's all being redone. Yeah, but it's still a circle. Yeah. It's like in wrestling, they call it the squared circle, isn't it? It's just, uh, I, I presume the land it's on is Madison Square and the garden is the building itself. But, you know, it just doesn't make sense in the English language. So another peculiar thing for our friends across the pond. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that, it set the week up nicely. And t- to be honest, Michael Smith opening the show, when you're there, without being disrespectful, a couple of years ago, if you lost to a female player... You got bullied a bit, didn't you? You got laughed at. Oh, dear, what have you done there, etc. Until Fallon and Lisa have started changing that a little bit. When you're the professional going in someone's home territory that is expected to win in front of an expectant crowd to put on a show in an arena this size, there is pressure on you as it is. And of all the players in that field, the only one the eight would not have come across would have been Doug Bone, who after a couple of legs, started to get going and looked like looked like a proper dart player. I'm going to pick you up there because he told us all how to pronounce his name as well. It's Doug Bame. Bame. That's not how it's spelled. But yeah. Of all the players in the field, he's one that I'd not come across before either. And... It took him a couple of legs to find his range, but once he did, his action is so simple, so easy, he started coming back at Bully Boy a little bit, who at one point looked like he should have just cruised it to to nil after the first two legs. And that would not have helped either, especially with a man who has traditionally struggled to get over the line a little bit, as Bully Boy has. Yeah. Um, James Wade cruised against Jeff Smith, um, at the moment, boys, see Jeff Smith just looking out of sorts at the moment. Yeah, this was probably one of them. If you're the Americans looking at the eight players coming over, James Wade, obviously, currently not in great form. He's probably the one you'd have wanted out the eight. But James Wade was just outstanding. The finishing was just impeccable. Six out of six. The one, two, four was immense. And it's back to the right. point, I think, it's, it's, it's we've all sort of mentioned that was yeah. just world-class. But especially in these shorter formats, it's been said a lot about James Wade's start to the day and heavy then. If he starts well, it tends to continue. And having that 3-0 lead, it was not going to then stop James Wade. But I guess back to the point you've mentioned there about Michael Smith and the pressures of being there, that would have also been playing on a lot of these, on the uh, the Americans, the Canadians as well, about playing at the MSG. That That pressure would be there for them as well even more so with the support. So 
but James Wade was just impeccable. Even though average doesn't say that when you're finishing like you are there, it's very, very difficult to, to beat. But yeah, Jeff Smith's one I expected a lot more from, but not um, this weekend, but generally. But he seems to be in a bit of a dip in form at the minute. Then, match number three. This wasn't really about the actual game. This was about um, Gary Anderson's darts. We've got a couple of clips as well. Um, Eddie said, and what actually happened with Gary Anderson's darts? I've heard mixed stories. Um, right, so it didn't start particularly well for, for Gary. First of all, his luggage went missing because he had a connection flight to New York. Um so he got his darts. He he had his darts because I saw them. He thinks he doesn't know, but he thinks they've fallen out of his pocket in a taxi from one of the media bits because they, they they were throwing darts at at the media launches and, and everything like that. Um, and and he thinks they they've fallen out of his pocket in the cab. Um, so. That 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 that's the the official line, Eddie. There's there's nothing sinister or or anything like that. It was he believes that they they fell out of his his pocket in a taxi. But interestingly, he started with a set of Peter Wrights, finished with a set of Johnny Claytons, and and actually, Gob didn't throw the Johnny Claytons too badly. Yeah, I know. Brilliant, because I'd back back Campbell. <laughs> it was averaging look, when Gary's averaging 76 through the first couple of legs it's clearly not working for him but when you can't take advantage of that it's a little bit disappointed yeah yeah no, I, I, I was disappointed when he did swap to the Claytons which are very very similar to a dart he's thrown before let's not forget they are very very similar to the darts he threw outside in Dubai in that final against Michael Van Gerwen. They yeah. started to get going a bit, but then he's gone back to them a few times with his own equipment and he can't get used to them. Yeah, it, 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 it was interesting. Um, and Eddie says, I'm surprised his sponsor didn't have an issue with him throwing other manufacturers. But I think... What, what do you do? You've got no darts. You have to throw something. It's yeah. whatever you can get your hands on, Boise, on the, on the day. But call me a cynic. We'll come on to it when we look at what happened on the following day. But there was a set of Gary Anderson code darts arrived. However, they looked too heavy. And the po- it wasn't because Gary Anderson grips the point. He had a short point in. They didn't look right at all when he switched to them, did he? No, when he, he one of them, he's not. Yes, there's a lot of frequent changes in the day. Gary is known to change, but not as frequent as your, your Peter Simons to use three different sets, four different sets. You'd have practiced one on media day, two in this game, and then the fourth one on the on the Saturday. It's an awful lot of changing. Um, back to the, the manufacturing darts. When it's on the day, you don't know what else he could have done. Unless there was no. some of his darts there or another set that, I don't know, on a merchandise well, stand or something that he could have got. There isn't a fact like we can do other than ask his opponents and fair play to 
both Johnny and Peter because let's be honest, in some other sports, I've got a feeling they wouldn't have been as helpful as what there was to Derry on that day. And, and I don't know what else he could have done. Yeah, well, we've got a little clip. I think this is the right one. Um, from Gary afterwards talking about this. Can you believe it? The room's upside down. If you go in there, you think I've been robbed. But, uh, you know, uh, I always know Peter's got a, a spare set, you know. Uh, borrowed him. But in the practice board, Peter's darts were going better than Johnny's. They were flying better than that, you know. After a few legs, you know, I took the 105 out with the two double tops, which was a bit of a fluke. But, uh, you know, but uh, now I switched to Johnny's and they just kind of flew better through there. That's um, good of the players because in other sports, they wouldn't lend competitors equipment, would they? And what, what was it like? Were you going around ever asking, can I borrow a set? <laughs> it's not often I get my hands and knees and beg. <laughs> but it's now a good lad, you know. We, we do. We, I seen it in Snooker years ago, giving the, the boy a shot at his cue. And there was one occasion he went, no, you're not touching my cue. I can always remember that many, many years ago. But a good bunch of lads, you know, they'll, they'll help us out. So if you play Johnny or Peter later on, are they going to ask for him back? <laughs> I think Johnny said 25%. <laughs> Pete was about 26, I think, but uh, no, no, just thanks very much for lending me the darts. <laughs> I'd love to have seen the state of the flying Scotsman's room as he's tearing it apart. I dread to think. Um, I dread to think. Whilst we'll, um, whilst we'll stay on the subject, we'll play the Peter and Johnny clips because they, they talk about the incident um, as well. Well, when I went, I, I, yeah, he, he borrowed a set for a couple of legs and then I, I obviously took Johnny's up as well as. So, Team Red Dragon, yeah, go on. <laughs> Must have been an interesting conversation when he comes over and has a rummage for UK, says, Pete, can I borrow these? <laughs> no, he, 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 you know, he just said, like, it's like, have you got any darts of that sort of weight? He's, uh, so, he, I said, these are the only ones I've got. So, uh, if, if you want to use them, you can use them. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, I was Peter. That's interesting. Can I, can, uh, can I point out that was also a lie, by the way? Because he said they were the only ones I've got. And then all of a sudden, a set of the second World Championship darts appeared midway through the, the Saturday. The only weight. That they were the only weight that Gary wanted is what he meant. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it was the weight. Uh, and this is the ferret on it. Yeah, I do I obviously do. Do you know what I mean? 2021 was massive. What a, what a season, do you know? Um, I'm trying to live up to that season, but it's, it's difficult, you know? It's, um, we're, all, we're all hunting trophies, you know? And, um, but listen, I'd never change a thing. It's made me and probably it'll make a lot of other players, but I'll take it. I'll take every minute of it, and I'm going to try my best for the next couple of years, well, more than a couple of years, until, until my retirement. I had to ask him twice because I said, Gary, you've got to beg for this. Like, <laughs> no, seriously, I'm sure if the boot was on the other foot, he'd help me out. So um, I respect Gary big time. Always been my favourite player. So um, it's nice that I can help him out. Hopefully, the ticket sales, another ticket sales, the dance sales are going to boost now because Gary Anderson was in as well. So um, no, I listen. I do it for a friend. He do it the same. You can't help but love the ferret, can you? Just so chilled, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Gary Anderson prevails with borrowed darts, and then Leonard Gates was kind of the story of the weekend. Spoiler alert: we're going to speak about him much more coming up. But he beat Fallon Sherrick um, quite quite comfortably. 
Um, like, as I said earlier, I think if I'm being honest, Fallon did too much media um, and didn't have time to, to, to prep properly. Um, lessons learned. Uh, I, th- I think we'll see a better version of her this week, but I, on the social media, of course, did its normal thing, but I just genuinely think it was a case of not having the right time to prepare properly. I don't know what you boys think. Yeah, um, you saw it. Go on, Dob. Go on, Lee. Go on. No, it's just it's the advantage for Fallon for this year is she's in every World Series event, so that's something that she can learn learn from. It wasn't a great performance. I'm sure she'll she would say exactly the same. Um, but a lot more style to Leonard Dates because he put in a very very solid performance. Um, so yeah, not great boy Fallon, not at all. You would have seen a lot more to what Dob's saying there. You would have seen a lot more to the media commitments that all players had, and maybe none of them really reached that the full potential of what any of them can. Um, with no Tom plus averages from the players that weekend, there was still plenty of moments of quality, but from that consistency, it might have worn it out, and it just had that impact on Fallon. There was a lot of wayward darts, but. I have no doubt whatsoever that Fallon will bounce back and we'll see runs to finals like we saw at uh, the Nordic Dark Masters last year. Yeah, then Peter Wright against Danny Baggish. Um, again, a, a decent little scrap. God, but Wright just found the, the big moments when it mattered, really. Pretty standard, yeah. Tinkered a bit. But as, as Peter does. Stuart Pike was absolutely fascinated by the amount of times Peter Wright changes darts as if it's not been a regular occurrence for the last decade. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, MVG beating Jules Van Dongen. And this was um this was an interesting <laughs> an interesting one. Um MVG wasn't too happy with uh, Jules Van Dongen playing the leveller, shall we say, boys. Yeah, um, this one was not only interesting on stage, it continued to be interesting if you follow both of them on social media, that both, I think Jules was talking quite well following MVG comments, um, but got to use that home advantage. I thought M, you know, MVG played well, question marks around his finishing, um, which for me, when we're talking about MVG being back, this is probably the one aspect of his game where I've just got that concern. But everything else, I still, I, I do think he's getting back to the the best MVG that we've seen. It's just that finishing that question mark, and that was seen on this day. But he'd done enough to that over the line. But you know, we always like to have a story, and I'm sure you're just about to show that story now. Perfect timing. Well, you know, anyone think we'd take this up? <laughs> Can you do? He has to do that because, with all respect. He doesn't have even 20% of the talent I've got. <laughs> then you have to do something, do you know what I mean? And, uh, I, yeah, with all the respect to him, that's the facts. <laughs> Never holds his punches, God, does he? <laughs> I, I just think, if Joel Dungan only has 20% of the talent of Van Gerwen's got, he's, doing, he's making bloody good use of it. And if Van Gerwen has only 1% of the looks of Jules Van Dongen, he's got a family, so he's not doing too bad himself either. But I don't like that comment at all. It's just a line of the 20% of my talent, and then he says, 
no disrespect. <laughs> I don't know if he's saying that line before it and then no disrespect actually means anything. No offence, but you're a twat, is basically what he is. <laughs> do, do you think, though, Cloth, that if it had been in a Premier League or a PDC major and someone had done that, we'd be making more of it? If he'd said it to one of the other eight, then yeah, I think we'd be making a lot more of it because there's more chance that one of those eight bite back. And that's where I don't like it. There's absolutely no need to go and kick Jules at that point. He's only no, been in I'm the sport is, three to five years. If someone had done what Jules Van Dominic did and deliberately doing it to the crowd in a big TV, as in a one of the ranked events, would we be hammering in more than what we are now we're kind of laughing it off because it was in the World Series and it was in, in America. But if someone does that at, at the match play at a key time or something, are we having a are we criticising? Pass. I've, I've sort of given up with that side of the game now. Because nothing ever comes of it and then you just get backlash either way. When we've said it about Gezi in the past, or Michael in particular, and his roaring and whatever else, you're going to get people that fall on both sides. And at this point, well, today. <laughs> um, and then, if the players that uh, they're encouraging the crowd to put their opponent yeah. off, that's where I'll draw a line. Anything else, I couldn't care less. Because I'm the same with the crowd behaviour now, and, and that's where I want to draw the line. If you're riling the fans up to support you, fine. Riling them up to whistle and try and put your opponent off is an issue because I have an issue with the fans doing that anyway. And the more the players stand there and encourage it on stage, the less likely we are to ever stamp it out. Gerwin Price was in a battle with David Cameron, and again... Cameron put up a really good showing, Dob. Averaged 94, or almost 95 in this one. Carried on his World Seniors uh, Masters form and pushed the Iceman the whole way. Yeah, I was a little bit gutted for David Cameron here because that is one of the better performances we saw in this entire round. And it was on the losing end of it. I thought he was pretty solid, pretty steady. Um, it was a level that matched the performance we saw from him in the final against Phil Taylor. At the lakeside, the rest of his performances were a little bit below that throughout the week, but it was enough to get him through that seniors. And obviously, with that seniors connection, it would have been absolutely mid if he picks up a Tyler Lakeside and then the following week he rocks up and beats the former world number one and world champion on that MSG stage. So, was a little bit gutted for Cameron. Still in the match at four each, obviously. Um, he's just got that loose start in him, hasn't he? He scores 81 or 85 yeah. far too often, especially when that first start is in the bottom of the treble where he seems to like it, he has to make more of that. Yeah. Um, and then Johnny Clayton got the job done over Danny Lalby Boise. Still disappointed with Danny. I was expecting a little bit more, if I'm being honest. Yeah. There's no sort of surprise in the in the results because we know what Johnny can do. But the fact Johnny played as he did, we probably expect Danny to push him a bit more. But there's a lot more to come from Danny Lowe, a lot more. I think when you look at the the Americans as a, and Canadians as a whole, um, there's some very, very good performances across the two days. Um, this was probably the most disappointing one 
just because the amount of talent that, that Danny Lavery's got. Um, so no sort of surprise in the result, but more in the, the performance. But Johnny Clayton doing Clayton things, finishing was pretty good. Uh, other than I think it was the first lead that took him a little bit longer, but other than that, finishing was pretty good. And I'd say it's disappointing from Danny, but one will see plenty of times. Yeah, absolutely. And then moving on into the Sunday or the Saturday, sorry. Um, Master against the apprentice. I'm not sure how long we can keep spinning this line for, but we'll, we'll, we'll go with it for one more time. Um, Michael Smith did an absolute number on Gary Anderson. Gob. As seems to happen a little bit more frequently these days, Michael Smith is he's over that little hump, isn't he? Yeah. And I think at that point, that's where we stop calling it master versus apprentice. There's there's no fear anymore. They're, they're, they've been removed from that relationship for that long now that, that there's no fear anymore, especially the way that, that Gary's playing. I think in the past couple of years, you could argue that Smith's perhaps given him that little bitch too much credit and, and respect, but I think that's that's a little bit removed now. Yeah. That's fair enough. Um, Peter Wright, Leonard Gates. Gates had chances in this game, Boise. It says 8-3, but early on, there was key opportunities that Leonard Gates missed to make this game uncomfortable for Peter Wright. Yeah, the, the stat in this one is just his 18% on on doubles, hitting three. just shows that the opportunities were there, and when you see them, it was early on, especially the Getting the win over Fallon, getting the the win early on in the day, um, to then have this opportunity, you then start to fancy him if he gets in front because the crowd would have played a big part in this one as well. If he could have got that lead, couple of leads, took those chances, so that the missed opportunities were early on, and then it was Peter Rhodes just doing enough to sort of see the job through. But a, a great weekend for Dates, and yes. It didn't end well, performance-wise. But I think if he was offered this weekend at the start of it, he certainly would have took it. Oh, we'll, we'll touch on him more because he's, he's going to be fun in the build-up to Ali Pali. Um, then we have the Welsh derby. Um, and God, this was a really strange game. Going Price was 5-0 up. Or didn't, was, or missed starts for 6-0. He was absolutely toweling Johnny Clayton. Then the wheels came off. And then found, I think it was a 14 dart leg to win it. High quality game with that went one way, then the next. Yeah, and I, I think that final leg for Gerwin Price was a lot bigger than it seems for a, for a World Series quarter final because results had just started to go Johnny's way in that head to head. We saw, was it this um, Grand Prix last year in Leicester, where there was the big comeback from Clayton? We've seen him win from in front. We've seen him win the solid ones. Which one? World Series final in Amsterdam. That Gezi was Possibly. in front and Johnny produced a, a comeback in Amsterdam as well. From absolutely miles away as well. So we've seen Johnny win from every single position against Gezi and just seem to have that, that, that edge over him. So to not throw away that lead for what would have been danger time in, in Gezi's head, oh dear, we've been here before, you, you come back at me, 
he's solid, he's consistent, he's everything. To, to be able to keep it together and get over that line in that moment, produce that kind of leg that he's he was able to produce on demand when he needed it in the run to world number one and world champion is a lot bigger than winning a quarterfinal in a World Series in MSG. Agreed. Final quarterfinal, MVG did a number on James Wade Boise, and at one point, I was genuinely fearing that this was going to be a whitewash. Exactly the same. Yeah, exactly the same. Back to James Wade, started very in first round, started well, continued struggling. This one, was it 5-0, I want to say, before James won? Yes. And I would, even how James started the game, even at probably 2, maybe 3 nil, I was starting to think that that was a possibility anyway, because MVG just looked in total control. Um, well, James was only averaging about 78, 79 at that point as well. Yeah, yeah and obviously, I don't want to keep going back to it, but where he's been recently, in regards to the illness, we've seen him coming back gradually. There's then probably, if he's into that store of four or five nil, there's probably thinking himself that it, it might be job done. Um, so fair play for him to let him three legs. It probably doesn't adjust to how well MVG played in this one. Top performance from Michael and just put the pressure on James early on and, and got that lead and James wasn't coming back to him at all. Semi-finals. Peter Wright, Michael Smith went up first goal. And in fairness, it was close until the second half of this game. And after the break, Bully Boy again put the afterburners on and, and Peter's tank was seemed a little bit empty. Couldn't find that gear he needed to go with Bully Boy. Yeah, it wasn't the most exceptional match. There was a point where there was only one leg that had been won in 15 or under out of the first five or six, I think it was. Um, but yeah, look, job done for Michael Smith. And the fact that he's winning these games is a sign of, of things to come for Michael Smith and the progression he's made this year since that world final yes he's been beaten in a couple of finals but these are the sort of performances that he would have thrown away a couple of years ago and this is the, the development of michael smith that's why i'm well, so confident he's going to win a big one but that's a discussion for another day <laughs> um the second semi-final um again this game turned on one huge moment boise going price missed four darts to go in front and MVG takes out 130, the raw, and Gezi never recovered from that moment. Didn't look happy with himself, comfortable from the minute that 130 went in. Yeah, the 130 happened, and then he reeled off another three legs on the back of that. But yeah, to that point, it just seemed like such a key moment, especially against the throw, um, even early on in this one. A huge moment for Michael. It's, it's those points in games where you can really see where Michael's game's at. And also where you can see Desi's at. Desi's always got that fight in him and he didn't seem to have it on Saturday. Um, and I still think he's Derwin's one who needs to work still to get his game back ready for um, match play. It's not quite there at the moment. And that was sort of a deciding factor. When he's been hit with big shots before, we've always seen Price bounce back. It just wasn't the case on Saturday. The final... It was Michael versus Michael. And again, going into the break, not a lot between them. But God, that second half of the match display from Michael Smith was world class. It's just 
got it, any he? he just got it at the minute. Can turn it on, looks solid, um, to run away a bit against Mark Van Gerwen, who look, saw him do a lot of talking in the build up to this one, saying that he'd already won it and, and whatever else who else can beat me was was the line I think it was. Um Yeah. Don't count your chickens, so Michael Smith is, is turning into a bit of a winner. Five titles in two weeks. Or whatever, two and a half weeks. That's Un- it is still not a major TV title if you want to start saying a major or whatever, but winning starts somewhere. Yeah. Winning is a habit. Yeah. And once you just get into a position where you keep picking up trophies, the bigger ones become that little bit easier to win. We spoke about it, yeah. Dob, on Premier League nights, nights you'd seen of how big that wind would be. We was probably looking further ahead that that win could have had such an impact on him going into match play, down into world later on in the years that he's beaten three big stars to win a night. Probably didn't see the short term um, look into it that actually him now going on, how big that Premier League night could be to see him do it. And the way he done it as well was it 12, 2 14s, 2 15, something like that in the last five legs, especially when a lot of the talk is around him being. You know, he's been labelled a, a bottler a few times from certain people and not able to do to put that in at the end of a game, especially a final. At Madison Square Garden, first time, it was a huge win and that picture tells that the story. Is a great, I love that picture. It is just <laughs> such a good shot. It gives um, me Dean Win Stanley vibes. <laughs> the stage wasn't big enough for that. <laughs> And Leighton Bennett when he won at the lakeside. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, we've also got a winner's clip from Bully Boy. Something about this was extra special. And I keep saying he was playing at Madison Square Garden. It's You, you, you can't put that into words. The amount of people that's been here, like some of the famous boxers, everything. And I just want to ask Tony, it, it, it feels surreal for me at the minute. <laughs> the only thing I dreamed of was lighting up in Barnsley or Wigan when I but I would never have dreamt of this when I started playing playing in New York and yeah, just I've been away for the last ten days and it's wrapped up really good with me. I won the Dutch Open and then now with this and I just don't know what to say. <laughs> that smile says it all from the bully boy. We'll do the US, we'll do the North American Championship before some of the other talking points to come out of New York. So, the Saturday afternoon, there was a place at Alexandra Palace on the line in the North American Darts Championship. And when you just look at those games on paper, if we saw them on a pro tour, we wouldn't be disappointed, would we? No, not at all. I'm, I'm going to be complete. I enjoyed this tournament more than I did the overall US Darts Masters. I really enjoyed watching these games play down to a winner. Yeah, I know that. It was it was superb. Um, David Cameron beat Jeff Smith in a really good game as well. Solid match. 
solid match to open. Two players that have been around a long, long time in, in Canada. Um, but yeah, look, the, the match practice, I think, that David Cameron's had in the last couple of weeks, he's been at the Lakeside twice. And they play CDC events as well. So yeah. then come into this to win on a stage very recently, I thought would have set him up pretty nicely for this. Um, yeah, just, just a solid performance from him to, to beat Jeff Smith, who would have gone into this as one of the favourites, just because of, in terms of the UK one game, one. Jeff Smith's done that a little bit more than everybody else. And he was seeded one. Yeah. Uh, game number two, Leonard Gates 6-2 over Jules Van Dongen, Boise, and again, dominated by Leonard Gates in this one. Yeah. Total domination, uh, unfortunately for Jules. Expected more in this one. I expected it to be a lot closer than what it was, but probably could say that about all eight because, like you said at the start, to see these playing at a high level, if all eight were playing on a pro tour, there'd be no real surprise. And you can see from the, the quality that they all produced, um, very, very good averages, match, matching what we saw with the US Darks Masters really throughout. So, pretty one sided, disappointing in Jules's performance, but. Fair play to Leonard Dates in this one. Then this was the, the game three was just an absolute belter. Matt Campbell, Danny Lowby, it went the distance, it went to the noble, and it was Danny Lowby who held his nerve gob. But this was a damn good battle. Really, really good game. Really enjoyed this one. Um, look, Danny's pace makes him incredibly watchable. I think um, Matt Campbell's technique is, is superb. Um, I think he, he's got extra levels to add to his game as well. He just needs to settle on a stage a little bit more. Um, but yeah, look, a brilliant watching this one. And then Danny Baggish, the defending champion, was was good against um, Doug Bame in this one. Just his finishing pretty much the whole tournament, Boise, was, was good from the gambler. Yeah, but... He... A lot of pressure on Danny. Some someone who's got one of them who's got a tour card. Obviously, we've seen him have to fly back recently, but even last year he didn't really hit the odds that we probably expected a body show. A lot of pressure coming into this one as defending champion and started very very strongly, uh, convincing win, as would be expected. Yeah, and then the semi-final lineup. Again, this one went to the wire. Leonard Gates held his nerve. In a last leg decider against David Cameron, God, but there was one key moment in this one when it was one uh, David Cameron rode 120 for the match and he got a bounce out. And it wasn't one of the board because you just heard the dark clatter into the wire. That sound of metal on metal was just, oh. I could see the chunk just below the wire. Um, but yeah, look, desperately unlucky for David Cameron. I really enjoyed this game as well. Best average of the tournament, I think it was. Just from then again, yeah. so it was pretty steady in the first two rounds. He didn't do anything exceptional, I don't think, but his, his 140 hitting is superb. Yeah. And then Danny Baggish, Danny Lowby didn't disappoint either, uh, Boise, but it was the gambler that edged him 6-4 again. This, this was a good game to watch as well. Yeah, very good day. And the only the only thing that sort of was Danny's favour was how well he started, getting in front, um, winning four one up, 
and he, he was in front in this one, but it was a close game throughout, and it was just the start that was enough to the by the show of the line. Other than that, it could have been a, a very, very different story. But um, fair play to says to Badish to, to get him through to the the final, and it was a, a very good win. Yeah, and then into the final, the soldier was not going to be denied. He went to Lakeside. Now he is going to Alexandra Palace. Leonard Gates will be at the PDC World Championship 6-3 over Baggish. And you could see the disappointment in Baggish's face. He knew what this game meant and he was absolutely gutted at the end. Gob. He was, because obviously that would have been a, a nice little route to guarantee that he's got a chance to add some prize money to potentially keep his tour card. We know he's had to spend some time away from the tour in the last couple of weeks to, to head home and spend some time with family. Um, but yeah, look, Lenegates yeah. was superb. He was incredibly consistent through the first couple of rounds. He's enjoyable on the microphone to push it. Um, it's counting a little suspect at times, which makes him probably even more watchable. Um, uh, this is the result Lenegates has been waiting for because when we've spoken about North America and the players coming through in the last couple of years, Gates has always been in that conversation from the CDC players, but he's never really delivered when we've had the chance to see him in the UK or, or in PDC darts. Not got his tour card, not delivered much for CDC rankings to then go and appear at the Ali Pali. Um, and look, he's a fantastic character who, who took his chance and is off to the biggest darts tournament in the world. Yeah, and he is going to be fun to be around um and we'll listen to him now uh not yet but uh after everything settled the dust settles and i know i'm going it's like okay i'm not gonna worry about who i'm playing first just go play darts keep my game the, the same way that i've been doing it and just go from there but uh it's gonna sink in when it sinks in uh, i'm gonna be by myself i might be out in the woods and i'm just like yeah i'm here <laughs> but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna soak it in real good though what doors could this open for you going to the World Championships and winning this? Um, it's, it's, it, it, <laughs> I'm just, like I said, I'm lost for words, but I'm going to go forward and uh, just play the greatest darts I can play. That's all I can say. I, I'm going to play the best darts I can play and hope they fall in place when they need to fall in place. What a man. <laughs> he is um, he is going to be good. Uh, right, we're going to talk about some of the other talking points to come out of this one. First of all, we've got another MVG one, and he talks about the injury for the first time. Uh, I had to find the time to, to actually do it, to make sure I don't skip the most important tournaments. You want to be good on the end of the year with all the televised tournaments coming up at that time. So that, I think for me, this was the best period. And uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm also looking forward to that. So that's done out of the way, something out of your mind, and that's important. How long have you been playing with the problem for? Uh, probably 18 months. That long? Yeah, 18 months. I had uh, several, three months to watch it. Uh, yeah, two injections towards it. So no, it, it has to be done. Now it's time to have it done. I feel it comes up again and again, and then uh, you need to uh, resolve, resolve permanently. And that's what I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. 
18 months is a long time to be playing with this problem. And just look up, you can pick up bits that Michael says when he says it's on my mind and stuff like that. And when you listen to the treatment he's actually had done, Boise, already, just to play at the levels he has is remarkable. Yeah, to, to think he was questioning, what, was it in April that his MVG back to his best? Um, that's how well he was playing. And to think that that time he was carrying this injury, yes, we've seen inconsistencies and we've seen that since April. We saw it this weekend with his performances. But the fact he's done on and he's playing at the level he is and he is positioned where he's in the world while he's carrying that injury, does it, it's not far off being that full ranting system that he's had this injury. You're only six months short of that. And to think of where he is and, and playing through that sort of pain or having to do the, the injections to that through it. Um, it's interesting to see when he comes back and how he comes back um, because he's, if you look at the last three months, he's started to, to find a lot better darts, more consistent. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see the impact it has, but it'll be good to see him back and playing pain free. Yeah, touching on that. Like you, like you say, it's interesting when he returns that he said he's going to make a decision on certain tournaments after the surgery look in my opinion he's got no chance of playing in Amsterdam God, I know that he's still on the poster and they haven't ruled him out yet um, but I, I, I just can't see that and I suppose the logical one is Noppy then gets bumped to a seed and Barney comes in in Amsterdam if that happens it would make sense. It replaces the commercial loss that, that Michael is moves Noppy across to a spot that he possibly deserves right now as, as UK Open champion. There's an argument to make that he could have been in one of the World Series of events as that as well. Um, I don't see him back anytime soon. I think he's going to be in a race to be fit for the match play, to be completely honest. Dan from our team has had the surgery as well and he said that his recovery was a lot longer than what's been touted by Michael so far and that's without trying to throw darts on the highest pressure stages. I appreciate that Michael will be going private and, and having surgery and as much recovery as, as possible as he can, etc. But yeah, I'm, I'm not sold on the race to be back. And if you go and have surgery on an issue and then try and come back too, ish, too early and do yourself more damage, you're right back to where you started. And if like the second biggest tournament of the year to come back for as well. And for me, I don't think he can be down into that tournament without any time on the board uh, in well, competitive action. And there's only potentially, when you look at the calendar, for me, there's only three players' championships where he's got that opportunity. If he misses Holland and misses uh, Tria for the Euro Tour, then there's only that opportunity. Right, so he misses the World Cup, definitely. Amsterdam the weekend after, I think we're all in agreement. He, he doesn't play there. Then you've got Trier, the first to the third. Again, not convinced. And then you've got three, or sorry, four players' championships, 8th to the 11th of July. That's it before the match play. If he hasn't thrown a competitive dart before the match play, does he play? 
that's the next issue. Yeah. He's going to need match practice. I think he'll turn up and play. Yeah, Take to ten grand first round, I don't. Uh, yeah, something like that. Silly not to turn up. Yeah. Um, and then he can go down under potentially and get some some match practice down there with three World Series events. From there, we're also going to listen to a bit of snake bite. This was. This was an interesting one. This is something that, that we've touched on before, boys. We'll listen to it, and it's a good point from Snakebite. Yeah, that, that, that is, it's, it's great that it's, uh, we've got the opportunity to, you know, Barry's and uh, Eddie's got that opportunity, given all them dark players, you know, there's, you can be playing in this and playing in this, playing in this, earning money, maybe giving up your job to become a professional dark player. But, like, uh, it... It's up to yourself, I suppose, if you choose not to go to everything. If you go to everything, you know, yeah, you're going to go to your grave pretty early, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, but yeah, unless you're really healthy. Even if you're really healthy, you look at Gezi, how healthy he is. He's a fit guy. And, if he, uh, you know, he's struggling mentally with it and just playing, like having, realising you only got one day off, maybe one and a half days, and, uh, you know, I'm away until the 20th of June. I left on the Wednesday uh, going to Newcastle Premier League That's like, and I'm not going to see home to the 20th of June so That's a really powerful line in there boys wasn't it that if you try and play in everything you'll go to your grave early We're seeing it more and more as well players are burnt out we're seeing I think Johnny Clayton is one of them that's struggling he, won't come out and moan about anything it's not Johnny's style but we're seeing such up and down performances from Johnny who for the first time in his career is elected to, to miss a Euro tour recently there is a lot of darts and it is brilliant that there are lots of these opportunities but we saw Snooker go through a very very similar revolution and Ronnie O'Sullivan spoke out about it and it sort of just got bashed on the head and accepted that Ronnie was a maverick and that everybody else would just turn up and play and whatever they wanted, and Ronnie would continue to be the outspoken person. And Dart seems to be doing a lot of the same at the minute. And don't get me wrong, these players are earning a very, very good living from playing darts. But when you've got decisions to make between non-ranked and ranked invite events, etc., it's just a lot. Yeah. Yeah, when you we've seen it with James, his, his health scare as well, boys see that when you were at the elite level you have to manage your schedule look when you're chasing ranking points you almost have to play in everything but it's that fine balance yeah surprised me a little with johnny because johnny's got the sort of ranking points to that to be in that top echelon because of the lot of the events he won wasn't ranked tournaments but he's, he's looked long term I don't think we've seen a, a Premier League with as many players withdraw per week. We had four, was it this year? I can't remember a time we've had that. And it's a, the same players that we're looking at. Who, as Peter said, he's not going to be home now for another two weeks. He's already been away for nearly close to two weeks, nearly, nearly a month away. And that's then going into, as you've mentioned, we've got three players' championships, match play. There's still time then that July is very packed and then, again, the travelling orders. And we're looking at 
the same sort of five or six players who are in that mix who are constantly travelling and unfortunately it seems that the, the ones that they're having to pick to pull out of are the pro tour events or the euro tour events because these are the ones that are helping to grow the sport and um, so I think you've got to pick and choose now it doesn't matter if you are Peter Wright who's what early 50s to someone who's like Derwin Price a little bit younger but fitter or even you know we could see next year if Lou Tomfrist continues in his trend that he's going to be one who's going to be invited to a lot of these events and then we're playing in all of them still it's it's something that needs to be considered not just physically but mentally as Peter alluded to there because there is an awful lot and the calendar is stacked if you are a top top player Agreed. Looking forward, there's um there's a little manner of the Premier League finals. The playoffs in Berlin is on the horizon. Let's get the graphic out. There it is. The final four: Johnny Clayton, Michael Van Gogh, and James Wine, and the rock star Joe Cullen. We'll batter it out, boys, at Berlin. Before we look at it, right now, who's the favourite? Man on the left. Correct. Has to be Johnny Clayton. For me, I can't. Obviously, there's the. Um, Michael's playing well. James, you're unsure of, and then Joe Cullen is sort of, in the sense of being in a Premier League semi-final, the unknown quantity in regards to we're not sure what we're going to see from Joe, but we've seen it in other sports when you have playoffs that the team who's sort of that's in last or the player that that's in last, and sometimes don't want them, don't win it because they've got that momentum. But in a favourite perspective, I can't see anyone other than Johnny being favourite to go on and win it. I think it's an intriguing lineup as well. The fact that Johnny plays Joe and Michael plays James. I think, look, in my opinion, I think Michael demolishes James on the form we're seeing at the moment. James d doesn't look right still. If, you, if you'd have asked me this a month ago, I should think it, it, it's a close game. But right now. Before James well, spent time in hospital, he was favourite. He was favourite in that matchup. <coughs> uh, not sure over the longer format. I am. He was just spectacular. Literally in that build up to what was he in three, four finals in a row? Uh, three, I think. And I think James started his Premier League campaign slowly, and you're like, hmm. And he did the same last year, but then he built it up and played himself into some excellent form. And I, I think this might come a little bit too early. But if he can go through the same steps to get back to where he was before he spent that couple of nights in hospital, he might just peak in time for the match play. But I think this is going to come too soon for him. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, like, like I say, before he was ill, it, it would have been an absolute belter of a tie. Um, but right now, yeah. But the, the other one intrigues me because, like you said about Johnny, that 
when he's good, he's still very, very good. But those little inconsistencies are creeping in. Yeah, and... I just... Go on, Phil. No, I just... I... Go on. No, I just... I... I agree with that. I just think the A and the B dame is better than Joe's A and B dame. So for Joe to come out on top of this has got to be at his best. We've seen Johnny at the Premier League last year. Um, don't want to play well. Obviously, don't want to lift the title. I just think Johnny's game, yes, there's inconsistencies, but it's still more consistent than what Joe is. The fact he's got to eight Premier League final notes is just very, very impressive. I, I also think when we talked about the London format, as we do with MBG and James, I actually think that plays into Johnny's favour as well in this one. So I think it'll be close. I think it'll be closer than the other semi-final. But I still think Johnny's got the advantage. So, are we all agreeing that it's going to be a Johnny Clayton, Michael Mangala in final? Yes. Oh, God, right. Both said last week. We went early. <laughs> Good luck to Wade and Cullen next week in the final. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> interesting and if it is that will there be extra incentive for MVG to sign off before the operation with a Premier League title to his name it's a big title that he's won multiple times there's always the incentive to go and do it I think it all depends on how much he speaks before he plays this because when you think about how long he, when you think about how long he has been injured, I mean carrying this, he's still done a lot of talking about if I'm at my best, nobody can touch me. And he said at the weekend he was going to win it absolutely, etc. And the more you go back and look at the last eighteen months, with this weekend being now that everybody knows there's an injury, with this weekend being under the magnifying glass, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And if he comes out and says he's going to walk this, as we saw Peter Wright do a lot last year, this isn't just a Michael thing. This is very much a speak afterwards. Because if you go open in your mouth before you do anything, you have to go and back it up. And how many times have we seen players not back it up? Yeah, but we like trash talk. We do. We do to talk about, especially when they don't back it up, because it makes a story. We can go, ha ha, this is why you don't talk. And every time we're like, oh yeah, but we like it because we can sit and talk about it for five minutes. But if you're that player, keep your mouth shut. Yeah. How many times in the last eighteen months have I been begging for Gerwin Price to get him assist? <laughs> And somebody to take that bloody Instagram story off of him. <laughs> oh. I, look, I'm not saying we all want robots, clearly, but there's a time and a place for it. 
and it's before a match. We all know it. Yeah, <laughs> during the pre-match interviews. <laughs> I suppose the, the only good bit about the... We don't understand member mentality. We do, but member mentality is, is a Kobe reference. And how many times did Kobe then go and actually back it up? That man didn't do an awful lot of talking without going, right, this is done, and then delivering. Michael Jordan spoke shit, backed it up. LeBron James, for a large part of his career, shouted shit, backed it up. We're talking about players that aren't backing it up. You're going to talk shit before you throw a dart. Make sure you're you're picking that trophy up at the end of the day, or I'm going to sit out, sit here and call you out for it. <laughs> oh. So Larry Bird's a hit. This week, so this week in the build-up in Copenhagen, I need to try and get Joe and James to say they're going to win it, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Um, but chat room, who wins this year's Premier League? Will it be the Ferret, the Green Machine, the Machine, or the Rock Star? Quite, it'd be quite an underwhelming selection of nicknames, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's it, it, it's interesting. A lot of love for the ferret in the chat room. Um, right, we haven't got clips. We haven't got slides for this. However, the development tour was very busy at the weekend, Gob. Yes, it was. This is the bit where I have to talk about it. Was it Germany? Um, I'm going up. So development tour 11 on Friday, this was. Um, Nathan Rafferty wins the title. 96 average in the final. Um, Nathan looks Barry. very sharp at the minute. He's yeah. producing a lot more unplus averages. He's producing a lot more games at a level that is close to unplayable. Look, there are plenty of people on this development tour that are capable of, of matching it, but he is producing it in the big moments towards the back end of these more and more frequently now. Yeah, he, has, he has taken that extra, that extra little step that sets him out I from that chasing pack of 20 or so that's capable of a run to a quarters or a semis might pick up the odd one to somebody that you're expecting to be in that final eight every time he throws a dart right now. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. He's got a lovely throw as well. Just so easy on the eye. Boise. Yeah, he's very good to watch. We saw a lot of him the back end of the year on TV. Um, and one who's only, only the minute better uh, and wins like this will only help progress that. We saw players like Ted pick up so many trophies and have helped him progress into, uh, maybe not to the levels we'd like to see, but Rafty seems to have that day in a very, very consistent day at the moment. And as Dob alluded to there, we, we can see him chucking a few ton pluses already, but generally he's averaging that 90 mark, which in a development tour is very, very good. Development tour, development tour 12, just looking at it now, 
There's a lot of Irish flags dominating this one in the final um, four. Interesting facts as well. One by Barry Keane. His girlfriend and mum were actually in New York at the darts. Keane's playing darts in Niedenhausen or wherever it was. And his, and his mum and girlfriend are in New York. Who's got the short end of the stick there? <laughs> sounds like he needed. It sounds like he needed to win. Yeah, development tour twelve. Keen Barry beats Kieran Tian five nil in the final against Jared Cole, making a semi final. Um, there's a there's a pattern developing now on these development tours, Boise, where. The pro tour players or the players in and around the, 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 the pro tour and and that are, are making statements. Yeah, it's the it's the already developed argument, isn't it? And the, the level that they're playing, what they're learning from pro tours and Euro tours, the experience is gaining, the levels they're having to play at them weights. When they're coming here, they are just a step above and tends to be why we see there is there is a number of names, it's not just one name. Two names dominating the, the Dev Tour. There is a few of them in there, but the levels that they're performing at is just too much on a consistent basis for the rest of the field, where the rest of the field would probably fancy the chances in a one-off game, but to actually then go on and lift the trophy, you need to beat two or three of the Pro Tour, uh, the Tour card holders, and it's it is a very similar story. I know we're not going to get into that debate tonight, but it's a similar story on the Dev Tour of why we're seeing Dean Barry go on and Barry Keane, sorry, that one, and lift the title. Yeah, and Players' champ. Oh, sorry, Players' Championship. Development Tour 13 was won by Gun Enters. So, his so far this weekend. is ridiculous. Yeah. The amount of times you just get a random tweet that Gert Nenches in round one or round two has averaged 111 or something ridiculous is, is crazy. Or hit a nine dart or hour or something. something. Yeah. Um, but again, three events, three tour card holders have come up with the goods. Um, development tour 14 was won by Sebastian Belowetsky beating Keen Barry in the final. However, I'm just going to read the name. The names from the quarterfinal. Team Barry, Nathan Rafferty, Josh Rock, Gert Nenches, Bradley Brooks, Jared Cole, Sebastian Bilowetsky. And Dan Bastianson. Yeah, obviously he's not been around too much, but the rest of them. Seen a few of them before. UK Open quarterfinalist. Um, Keen Barry just does what Keen Barry does. Um, Bradley Brooks, the, the, the rap. champion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Please for Bilowetsky. Um, good confidence booster. I tell you, Poland could be a bit of a dark horse for this World Cup. I agree. Yeah. Um, In the same camp as well. I still pair in that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like that. Um, Pleasantly surprised to see Bielecki ahead of Christoph Kachuk and Radek Sagansky as well. That's what a quarter final at the UK Open does for you. 
Um, and then the final one, Development Tour 15, it was a double for Keane Barry. Um, beat um, Owen Bates in the final. Um, Cam Crabtree also getting to a semi-final. Owen Roloff getting to a semi-final. Um, some usual names in the quarterfinals. Connor Heenahan, Louis Williams, Christopher Holt all doing bits. That's how it's pronounced. We were, we were put right by Dagmara, Michael Smith's wife. Who is Polish? Because we we were all, it was always Sebastian um, Bilowetsky or Bielecki, but it's from the official Polish interpreter as Dagmara is. It's Sebastian Bilowetsky is how it's pronounced. So I'll go with that. Sebastian doesn't really care. But no, <laughs> he's, he's, he's just got a smile. Right? He doesn't care one little bit. He's just got a smile on his face. But that was the development tour round up. And the development tour order of merit is an interesting one. King Barry tops it. Got over eight grand on the development tour after 15 events. Uh, Nathan Rafferty, second, seven and a half grand. Gert Nenshers, just over seven. Josh Rock, five and a half. He's missed a chunk load of him as well. Um, they're earning good money now, boys. On the yeah. Struggled yeah, a little bit this weekend him. for his lofty previous achievements. Yeah. Earning some serious dough. But again, you look at the top 10, 12. Yeah. And this is, if, if we, when we do get drawn into this argument, look, a one off experience or playing these players every now and then. Brilliant. But you just look at how far ahead they are of everybody else in the field. The amount of prize money they've racked up over everybody else. And this is the difference. The, the consistency of how often they are the names in the quarterfinals, the semifinals, the last 16 to an extent. That's where the players that are there that haven't been exposed to PDC darts before should be getting those opportunities. Playing them first round, oh, yeah, it's brilliant. Or, yeah, it was brilliant. I, I got to play this person. It was a good experience to kick my ass. It was a one-off. Okay. But doing that every week or getting to a point where you might make a 64 or 32 if you get a couple of nice draws, and then you're running into one of these guys every single event. You're not learning how to win. Because there is a massive, massive gap between those that have got through Q school, that have accumulated tour cards, and that the following weekend are about to go and play against Michael Van Gerwen and, and Peter Wright on a pro tour. Well, just, just look at it. Uh, King Barry is obviously top. Out of the 15, seven of them, he's either picked up no money or not played in it. It doesn't tell you on Dark's rankings whether he played in it or not. But seven out of the 15, he has naught next to his name. And it's still got over he eight grand in his ranking. He missed five to ten. So, so, so it's only it's only development tour thirteen. So it's, it's only five yeah. and thirteen that he didn't pick up any money. Was he on the Euro tour? Yeah. That's yeah. When when you when you miss five like that in a row, yeah, it's only five and thirteen where it looks like he's blanked. And chances are, if yeah. you go back to five. 
In fact, I'm going to go back to five. Should we see who he lost to? In development. My, bet is, five. my bet is it's someone in the top eight. The, the thing with it as well, it's the, it's the multiple opportunities that there's, you have the situation that you had that, was it Rafferty had at the Worlds? Where losing, you can still be batting with two years and it's those sort of situations that you've got Tortard holders who are playing in the Dev Tour, but if you finish top the Dev Tour, what you actually win is a Tortard, which a lot of the people who are in that top echelon of the Dev Tour have already got taught on anyway. Just that's a bit messy. He lost in the two five six to Nathan Kerr. Again. There's another yeah. member of the Target Elite, Target Elite squad. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was the dev tour. What else have we missed in a week of darts go on your list? Um, the PDC Asia tour. Yes. And I'll be honest, I haven't read up on this because it was only announced today. Yeah. But even if we just touch on it now and then speak about it in more depth, at a later date, um, we have Asian darts back, which is fantastic because that tour has struggled to get off the ground in the last couple of years due to COVID. Um, but it was announced earlier on today, 10 o'clock this morning, um, that we have an Asian championship with $100,000. Being played across four days, September the 22nd to the 25th. Um, one of four spots available at the Kazoo World Championships. That still doesn't sound right. Kazoo World Championships. <laughs> they used it, Phil. Yeah, good to see, or great to see that, that darts in Asia is, is going to be back up and running. Absolute superb. Big fan of that. Big, big yeah. Fan. Yeah, I like that. Um, the live league returns tomorrow. And I've got the lineup in front of me, Gob. See, I'm ahead of the curve today. So, Steady. Group A will be. This is a tough group as well, by the way. Chris Gilliland, Robert Thornton, Gavin Carlin, Darren Penhall, Adam Smith Nil, Robert Owen. Group B, Rob Collins, Lee Evans, and a debut for Keith Della. Oi, oi. Um, Group C, Sean Fisher, Josh Richardson, and your mate, Gob, um, Peter, Peter um, Burgoyne is in. So, Great. It's, a, it's a good little group, that one. 
also as well. few debuts just looking now it's the first time i've looked at it properly wait a minute one two Five debuts in the four-week phase coming up. And... That's big. And some Europeans are on the list. We've got a former world champion. Oh, I know who that one is. No, to really yeah. be one person. Yeah. <laughs> my phone. My phone's gonna ping in a minute. <laughs> yes, Correct. It has to be him. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah. Ah, see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's good. The lively. Um some say five five debuts which is good how many weeks has he played in um i think he's played in every phase robert owen but obviously you play in your qualifying week and if you get to champions week you get uh, another one but this time around he didn't make champions week The effect of the knee brace is wearing off. Yeah. Um, so, what else have you got on your list for a week of darts? Uh, Liam is in. Hope you are good, buddy. Uh, I'll sit down with Mace when he comes back off holiday. Plenty to discuss with him. What else have you got on your list, Gob? I think that was it, to be honest. Oh, he gives it the big, the big bill. Well, I knew you'd forget something. Was it a list? Still waiting on one thing written down. Oh, seniors is back this weekend. We have the qualifiers in Hull. For any of you over 50s out there watching, I saw Jim McEwen in the chat earlier, and I believe he's making the trip down from the other side of Hadrian's Wall. To Reading. Mm-hmm. Happy days. Jim will be a danger there, that's for sure. Agreed. And I think because it's such a short gap now, it is only a few weeks until Hull, I think it's easier to keep that momentum going because there was quite a big gap between the Seniors World Championship, the Open Series, which which doesn't do a lot of press. It's a bit like a, a pro tour, etc. Um, and then the qualifier and then Lakeside. I think when they're a month apart or a few weeks apart, it's easier to keep that interest going, and look, Lakeside was Lakeside went brilliantly actually. On is yeah. this the first week, Dob, where the Friday qualifier works on your ranking points? It is. Not, it sorry, is. not a Friday qualifier. Friday flyer does on your ranking points, yeah. isn't it? But the Friday is now a ranking event. It is no longer a flyer, so that's included in the entry. So you get all three for the weekend yeah. in your entry. The Friday night. It used to just be a warm-up event, money in, money out, is now a ranked event, so you will pick up points 
for winning that. And then the Saturday and Sunday are your outright qualifiers. If you win outright on Saturday, you win outright on Sunday, you get a place automatically. And if you are top of the order of merit at that point, which is currently occupied by none other than Mr. Richie Housen, um, that third spot will also get an invitation. Cool. Uh, no worries, Bob. We'll have a look after the show, mate. Um, we have been desperately trying to get Fallon in the live league, but just her schedule is ridiculous. Um, so fingers crossed after the World Series. Um, open the chat room then, nice and early. We'll get plenty of questions done today, unless we've forgotten anything massive, boys. No. The, the only thing that that is next Monday. Next Monday is Premier League finals night. No show. Oh, yeah, We've got a week up. There'll be no live lads next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've also got a lot to try and plan next week as well. Like it's just general carnage. Yeah. Um, Never a dull moment. Correct. Who's already was Premier League finals night on Monday? No. Hang on, does that mean we need to look ahead to the World Cup now? The draw's not out though, is it? So we don't know. Let's let's have a once over. What have we got? We'll have a look. Yeah, so <laughs> if, if 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 the draw was out, then we would have done. Again, so chat room. Who's your... Go on. I was going to say, the chat room is a dark horse for the World Cup. Yeah, I was just looking at the calendar to see that when we return um, in two weeks, we will have the Nordic Dark Masters, the Premier League, two players' championships and a World Cup to discuss. <laughs> so and I'm to have to look forward to And we'll have the result of the World Seniors qualifier to look ahead to Hull, which will be the week afterwards. And the return of the women's series to look forward to. Yes. <laughs> Four hour special in two weeks time, boys. <laughs> it's a lot of Fergie time. We might have to double header. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> or do we go half hour earlier? Oh, I don't know. Depends on the time I finish work. Um, so, World Cup. The eight seeds are England seeded one, Wales seeded two, Holland seeded three. Surely that should change now, though, shouldn't it? Or is it because it's preset? I don't know. The draw's not been done. That's what I mean. The fact the draw's not been done, does that seeding change? They are Is still a seed. Combined, combined ranking position. That's why Scotland has seeded eight, because you've got the world number one with the world number 80-something.
Uh, oh, Barney hasn't been picked for the World Cup. Not this year. No, he's not been picked this year. And there's all there's always a get out that the rules do say the PDC will pick who they want. <laughs> That's just a general rule, not a World Cup rule. <laughs> um Where would Scotland have been seeded if it would have been Souter in versus instead of Henderson? They, they still would have been seeded low because Souter was only, what, 40 something in the world? So they still would have been yeah. a lot higher. Yeah. Souter's is 48. It might have moved them up, but it wouldn't have been much. Um, uh, Bob, Dirk van Dijvenbode is replacing. MVG, not Barneveld. Yeah, we think uh, we think Barney might get a call up to the Dutch World Series event in a couple of weeks' yeah. time if Van Gogh isn't fit for that. We think Noppert might become one of the eight PDC players, mm-hmm. and then the the local players. I think they'll move Barney up. However, they could also quite as easily go and chuck in somebody like a, a Luke Humphreys, who's won three Euro Tours in a row. Yeah. Uh, three out of the last four, sorry, not three in a row. Yeah, agreed. Here's one for you, boys. Without being, without trying to sound horrible, which nation is in the World Cup that shouldn't be? If you could get rid of one, who doesn't deserve to be in? I'm not sure any don't deserve to be in. I think the issue is that we've got teams on the sidelines that have deserve it more. better players. There's a couple that I can't get my head around. The one that stares me right in the eye is Finland. You'd have them over the Italians, though, because the Italians that have yeah. been picked weren't even the Italians at Q school. Yeah. Cantelli has pedigree in the PDC. Okay, not fantastic. The Hungarian team, if, if you ask me it's to name some wide. Hungarian players, wouldn't be those two? No. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe Croatia and France aren't there. I'm with you, Andrew, completely. Look, Brazil are there for the TV. I don't support the French very often, but I would have loved to see them in this. I I agree. I'm more on the side of Croatia. I don't know enough of them to France, and there should still be in if I'm fitting the nations myself, but just can't see how Croatia are not in this. Especially with a tour card holder. Just don't can't let my head yeah, down exactly. at all. Especially when you look at Portugal where I did the minute Jose got a tour card and we've seen that before. Yeah. If, and again, if every nation had a tour card holder in then then I'd delete, but the fact that they haven't then 
and again, I, I don't mean this ignorantly, but I've never heard of the guy playing with Jose De Salva this year. No, but we hadn't heard of Marquez, and he turned up and played pretty steady, and then went to Q scoring it at nine dars. So it, it does go both ways, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, look, it needs a refresh, doesn't it? And Matt Porter has promised us a refresh, and I'm going to keep clinging on to the fact that he has promised us a refresh, but this year was too close. If we don't get it next year, I am all in on Matt Porter, and he is getting it. <laughs> don't don't sell me a line for my favourite tournament and then not deliver it, because I will amateur. you, right? <laughs> But until then, sure every time the PDC sold us a promise, they pretty much delivered. So, potential for, I don't know, a group stage next year for the World Cup. I want to see it over a couple more days. I want to see more pairs. I want to see something different. Something a bit more fun, a little bit more creative. Even down to the shirts. They're just a little bit plain now. Yeah. Dob, you're going to be so underwhelmed when this decision's made because it's definitely not going to be all of those. <laughs> be it's going to be none of those. It's going to be, oh, we're moving to the zone. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Right, again, question time, boys. Get them in, boys and girls, and we'll, we'll answer them. But I'm just looking at it. While they're coming in, I definitely like the look at that Polish team. Yes. Hang on. Don't be bigging it up now. Sebastian's in there because you've never been a fan of my mate, Christoph. I don't. I don't. It's not easy on the eye, but he can play. The same as I've said about a lot of players, that they're not easy on the eye, but they can play. And just my opinion, same Sebastian... Is they're not easy on the eye, but we can chat shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I just think he's a better player than, than Kachuk. Which, which elevates them. I think he's uh, got a high ceiling. Limit. Yeah, uh, Daniel, I didn't know. I only got a couple of hours, Kip, on the plane, mate. Um, right, what have we got then? Uh, can you buy a week-long ticket um, like for the match pay? I think... It's only the match play that does the season ticket. That's the only tournament I've seen it for. Grand Prix, perhaps? Well, they certainly used to in Dublin. Jar was looking at one, but obviously they've moved it and they didn't offer it this year. Yeah, I, I think yeah. at the moment it's only the match play. Um... Uh, what can the PDC do to make the Premier League better? Um, no more tournament format and a 16-player field. I, I, I think the Premier League will be the same next year. 
it, there might be slight tweaks, but I still think it'll be the, the eight-man tournament tonight. Because the... Question. I, I think we will get the same next year. I don't think the Premier League gets better fans watching until no. it's shorter. It has to be shorter in length. 16 weeks plus a final night is just too long. No matter what format they're coming up with, especially when you've got other events in between, you've got Euro tours, you've got Pro tours at the weekend, etc. To drag out a televised tournament on a Thursday night that for a good number of years in, in various formats, the majority of the positions are sewn up long, long before you get to that point. It needs to be shorter. They need to rotate through some of the venues. I appreciate why they won't, because it makes them an absolute fortune, but it, it has to decrease in length. It's not, that's not going to happen for commercial reasons. They make too much money from it. The, the most exciting we've had in a long time was the COVID one because they were playing back-to-back -back nights. The Premier League helps prop up the Pro Tour funding. I completely agree why it won't happen, but in terms of entertainment and to keep that product from going stale, they have to drop the number of nights because no format that we can sit here and come up with and rotating players in and out, it will just go stale again too quickly. And the stale is because of how many weeks you sit there watching the same tournament. And if you cut it by five or six weeks, you suddenly got time for another televised tournament earlier in the year. The fact that the 16 nights are already out for next year. Yeah, oh, yeah. Even, no, I'm not saying it's going to happen. Shopping, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't look at changing that. I think the rotations that the, the change I'd be looking at if they're going to keep it in a tournament type format, I think rotations the team with odds, the players, not the. I'm not opposed to 16 weeks. I just didn't like this run of how this one's worked. Previous Premier Leagues I've, I've enjoyed from start to finish. Uh, I think your points on COVID, it's just not. When it played out in COVID, as you're playing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, some weeks, and the final week was the five day, but obviously that's just not feasible because of the. The amount of travelling, the stage setup, everything across five different venues isn't possible to do. But uh, I think there'll be a rotation of players. How it works, how you format it, I'm not sure. But I think if you sit down and think it through, I, I think just don't think. Right. I just don't think that will ever happen because fans want to see, especially the top four. For argument's sake, you live in Exeter, you get darts once a year, and that's the week that you don't get Michael Van Gerwen and Peter Wright. If you're guaranteed Say two that. of the top four, then I couldn't care less. Because every other darting event on the calendar, you buy tickets in advance of knowing who's going to be there. In fact, Premier League tickets are already on sale for next year and sell out way in advance of that crowd. And I appreciate people would be disappointed if for some reason next year the Premier League went, OK, the top eight are going to play in their own thing called the Super League. And for the Premier League, we're going to use players ranked 10 to 18 on the order of merit. Then they might be a little bit pissed. The, the argument I would know. say to it, Phil, with the players is if you would have taken the top 
two of the top four out of this weekend in America and replaced them with Rob Frost, Lou Dumfries. You're saying two names who are just on the cusp. But you still had Fallon there. I don't think there'd be too many Americans disappointed with that field still. Because there's still another name there. If you would have taken out MVG and Peter Wright. MVG, James I, Look, I think MVG and Wright and Price are the biggest assets they've got in terms of the top players. In terms of players that are eligible for the Premier League on the criteria that you have to have a tour card, as stated by Matt Porter last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, look, the, we, we, we all know that argument. But right, right now, you know, if you buy a ticket for the Premier League now, for next year, barring them being injured, you know they, those three are going to be in the Premier League. Not necessarily. Barring injury, they're, they're going to be picked. One of them could drop out of the top four. And they'll still yeah, get picked. Depends yeah. how outspoken they are. Adrian Lewis dropped they'll out of the top four, opened his mouth. They'll still be picked. The same as when Gary Anderson was world 27, we all knew he would still be picked. I think we, we place an awful lot of importance on names and importance in this game rather than letting the product do the talking. And it, it's the same argument you see seeing with a lot of people about the World Seniors right now, the number of invites and, and players and names when the standard of the qualifiers and the tour is solid. At some point, you have to let the product speak for itself can't keep manufacturing opportunities because at some point it will just crash. Right now, it need, those three will always be in. For the, for the foreseeable, they could be ranked wherever they'd be in. But that's another one. Um, uh, ben, yeah, we spoke about the Asian Championship, mate. We love, love the idea. Love that Asian Darts is, is back playing, which is good. Chat room's on fire today, everyone. We're loving this. Good one from Tommy, Phil. Could the Euro Tour turn into a world tour in the future? I, I, potentially, I think the way Darts is going... We will potentially see more pro tours scattered around Europe as well, if it carries on the way it's growing. But I think the development is you might have two more pro tours in Germany to then free up two more Euro tours to go somewhere else to start with, potentially. There's a lot in Germany. So it would make sense. Yeah, but I think the novelty of travelling, there's still an awful large percentage of the PDC tour based in the UK and the novelty of going to Germany for these events has long worn off. Especially the novelty, when their two go-to yeah. venues are an absolute ball ache to get to in terms of flight, train, etc. Commercially, though, 
the German market is huge. Look at DAZN in Germany. The money they put invested in the Euro Tour. Euro Tour, completely on the screen, but Pro Tours, how many players missed that last batch of Pro Tours? But if they can get the product there, DAZN will play. And then you think about how many of them are going to want a call-up when they're competing for that challenge tour top two that we've already seen play out this year. I'll be very, very surprised if Scott Williams plays another pro tour if it's anywhere near a challenge tour. Because defending that challenge tour top two is more important than what he can achieve with pro tour this year. But I think DAZN could come in and potentially take the pro tour as well. This is the next progression that we're looking at. The Pro Tour's got a long, long way to go before anybody's putting that on TV. I don't know. The two, the two stream boards are right up there. Yeah, but then you've got too big a gap between putting some on and some off, and there's no punditry at the minute. So the costs associated with putting a studio in there putting an audience in there and then manipulating a floor event, which the rest of it is running normally through a TV channel that is then going to have to run ad breaks as well. If the money's right, it'll happen. It's just, it's just chaos. Well, just because it's on TV, why would you have an audience in there? Tell them. You don't have to have an audience. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just don't see it. Is the money-based ranking going to be used for the simple future? Uh, yeah, I, I just think that Matchroom like that money-based ranking. We see it in Snooker. and I'm not a fan of it, but I don't see it changing. Do you, boys? No. And, and if it's going to stay, I would just like to see evened out a little bit more. But I think it's here to stay, I don't think it'll ever die. No. Um, what else have we got? Chat room is superb tonight. Absolutely loving it. Um... What are the odds on Adrian Lewis making the match play not qualified for ET9? Um, race for the match play. Still work to do for Adrian Lewis. He's in that pro tour at the minute. Oh, yeah, so he's in at the moment, but still work to do. Yeah. Ross Smith just started to look that a little bit sharper. Simon Whitlock had a good run last time out. Mervyn King's realised he's not in the world match play and has started to pick up some results. Adam Galas is playing pretty well, as is Danny Janssen. But that is 10 Barry. to catch up on. How many events have we got left? uh, Euro Tour and Tria and four Pro Tours. Five events, Three, three pro tours. 18, 19, 20. Oh no, five. Yeah, you are right. I didn't think there was that many. Yeah. Yeah, four, four pro tours and a Euro tour. Oh, a lot of work for you to do then. 
Yeah. There isn't, there isn't. If he picks up two grand, I think he's safe. Problem is, yeah. he's in a position there where he's, he's defending his place where instead of fighting for his place, and it's going to be a lot more difficult to to play your games yeah. in that sense than it is at the moment. So, uh, and we've seen but a trip to Blackpool might just create the other. He can go and secure it in one day because that's what Lewis can do. He can just get wrapped up on one day's play, but. It's the more that goes on when you get to the back end of those players' championships. If he's sitting where he is now, but that prize money's a bit closer, that's when you are, I would currently be worrying about A.D. Lewis. Yeah. Um, Tommy says, when Bristol will get a tournament overlooked, uh, once that new arena opens in Bristol, we think the Premier League... Yeah, there's there's a new arena being built at Bristol, and once it's done, we think the pro the Premier League will go there. You remember Exeter gets the Premier League because they can get everyone there to the UK Open. The same is if the arena is good in Bristol, they can do that and then get some minehead as well. Yeah. As much as I love the cow shed. Yeah. Um, Edgar did a video on the match play race. He reckons Lewis is locked in. Uh, I wouldn't say he's locked in yet. If he was at the Euro, if he qualified for ET9, I might have gone with it. But the fact he's not puts him still vulnerable for me. In by 3.5k. Where where's the safe point at the moment? Would you say then tenth? Stephen Bunting? No, I or even lower than that. I think I'd say Doby. I I think I think Doby's yeah. I'm with you. I think Doby and above are safe. Even if Doby wasn't to pick up any more money. Which obviously a player of his quality you'd expect. Yeah, because I think Jackpot needs two grand, maybe. Yeah, I, I think Davey's safe, personally. Um, because at that point, you still more. need Ross Smith to get over five and a half grand in the next four Pro Tours and a Euro Tour event. Vincent van der Voort needs. Six and a half, seven. Whitlock's nine. It's a lot of money to accumulate in. You're looking at semis or finals of Pro Tours and consistently. Plus everybody else achieving somewhere between two and four grand. Not saying it's impossible. Um, Sam says, a lot of overreaction on social media, media surrounding Gezi's form. Always hits towards the back end of the season. Still producing some of his best moments, two ranking titles, which is more than most. Yeah, but we, we judge Gezi on the ridiculously high standard that he set himself. Um, look, he's not been horrific, but he hasn't also hasn't hit. You Look how good he was in Belfast. That That's that's the form that we judge him on, the same as we judge Michael and and that. Uh, 
Right then, boys. Last one. What question are you going for? Last one from Tommy. Will a teenager ever win a PDC major like MVG did at the BDO Masters? Well, tour card holders keep getting to play on the Pro Tour, then quite possibly. Um, yeah, I think, especially something like the the Players Championships that you can you can win one on a good weekend, as in like the Players Championship Finals. If you're still in on the Sunday. You've just got to yeah. click. So the, the, the week, the way the weekend tournaments work out, as long as you're in that final day, they, they can all just click and, and play well. So for me, yeah, definitely. You opened, didn't he? Yeah. Well, again, Bilowetsky got to the quarterfinal as well. So, yeah, I think so. Right, boys. What a show it's been. Those two hours have absolutely flown by everyone thank you very very much for all the continued support remember the live league returns tomorrow morning 9 30 um, plenty coming up as well we'll be in copenhagen premier league finals in berlin boys it's a busy time just a, just bit. a little it is but we will have you all covered again. Thank you very much. I've been Phil Bars, Jack Garwood, Lee Boyce. Remember, no live lounge next week because of the Premier League. We will see you all in two weeks for a bumper show. Boys, get ready for Fergie time. This is Online Darts Live Lounge, live lounge signing off for another week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.